Let's go ahead and get started this morning. Good to see everybody. We're missing Mr. David Biggerstaff over at that table over there. So he's had, uh, he had some back spasms this past week. Uh, this morning in our study, uh, interesting, provoking, or thought-provoking title today, With This You Become Perfect. So um, I want to ask a question first, though, because um, for a man, I know there is not much worse than feeling inadequate from time to time, from being at a place where you don't feel like you are enough or you have enough for the situation. For a man, that is, that, that's a difficult spot to be in. What would you say is a difficult situation to feel inadequate in? When is, it, when is that really more painful or difficult, a situation to feel inadequate in. Mark? <laughs> you felt inadequate for that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. When the, when the pressure's on, you got to... <clears throat> yep. Okay. What's well, another scenario where, where it's tough when you feel inadequate? Todd? Sometimes in my world, it's when things go beyond my training. Ah, okay. And all of a sudden, you know, you're used to a certain level in my, in my world. <clears throat> yep. Todd's an athletic trainer, uh, so I, I, I get it where the situation arises and there's a demand for something greater than what you have in the moment. That would be a moment you feel inadequate for sure. Anybody else? When is it tough to feel inadequate? Well, I think most parents are honestly will say that. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Parenting will present plenty of moments for you to feel inadequate. That is for sure. That's right. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. All right, anybody else? <laughs> All right, when is another time that it's tough to be, to feel inadequate as a man? I think even in matters of faith sometimes, when men get up in, into a situation where all of a sudden there's a spiritual demand to, to be a leader in your home or to pray or to, Someone comes and asks you something and you're supposed to know the answer, you know, the spiritual answer and you don't in that moment. Anytime you're presented with a situation that you don't have the immediate answer to or don't feel like you're equipped for it, it could present itself in a moment where you feel inadequate. And I think James deals with some of that today. We're going to deal with that. Is what do you do when you're in one of those moments? Because one of those times it happens is when the pressure is on and a trial presents itself. There's a struggle in front of you that you're forced to have to deal with 
and you don't have in the moment what it takes. You don't know how to respond. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. In that moment, you're going to find yourself feeling inadequate. And James writes to a group of people that were going through that. As we had looked at in the first verse, uh, James is writing to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad, he said. They're going through trial. They're going through difficulty. They're going through persecution. And they're at this moment where like, I'm not sure what to do next. I'm not sure where to go. I mean, you imagine all of a sudden you're uprooted from your family and your home and your place and you're dispersed and you're out of your country and you're under persecution and you don't have you don't have the possessions that you need. You don't have the direction that you need. That would be a moment that you'd feel inadequate. So James is going to write and talk about how to be complete, how to be, he's going to use the word perfect, but I want to couch it in that perspective of, uh, of the opposite of inadequate so that you have what you need. You are fulfilled, equipped, finished, filled up with what you need in the moment. So because he's going to use the word perfect today, uh, let's set the scene for what all this means because we all have our own ideas about what perfection is. And it's interesting because usually about half of people are comfortable with pursuing perfection and they, they like doing that. I'm, I'm in that camp usually. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it as best I can right. But I also know there's another group of people who are like, yeah. I'm okay without perfection. I kind of like things kind of, you know, dinged up. I kind of like things, you know, a little bit flexible. And, and, and my wife is more in that camp, you know. She's okay with comfortable and, and easygoing. And, and so God puts people together like that. Either way, God is interested in a process of perfecting us. So we've got to get okay with what that means. So let's look at some scripture here to put some truth together to, to, to frame the situation this morning, the conversation. So we have to know, first of all, that God is perfect. He is perfect. There, there's no flaw in him. There's no hint of error. There's no motivation that's shady that you have to worry about. Um, Jesus said, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. He already is. He's not in process. He's not evolving. He doesn't need anything. He has been always and will be always perfect. Second, we also know that we cannot attain perfection on our own. Uh, in Luke, no, it says, no one is good. Uh, no one is good but one, that is God. There's no one except Jesus who's ever been perfect. As much as man might want to strive after it, that's an impossibility. We also know that Jesus lived perfect. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He never sinned. He went through temptation. He went through trials. But he was perfect throughout. He was the spotless lamb of God. And we also know that by faith in Jesus, we are declared or gifted with perfection or righteous standing. Colossians says, And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith. Now, this is stunning revelation here just about for all of us. It's like, me? 
I don't feel perfect. I don't feel blameless. Exactly. You weren't. You aren't. But because of what Jesus has done, when you put your faith in him, the Father declares you righteous, seats you at the right hand of his throne, and declares you forgiven, blameless, and perfect. That's what a standing. What, that's faith to believe that only that you can have to believe that. And then God begins a process of making us perfect. So you and I are declared perfect, but then he begins this process of perfecting us, changing us, because here on earth, we're still walking through this. Titus says, it says, he who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. God is in the process of perfecting us, changing us, transforming us, conforming us to the very image of Jesus. And as James is going to say today, there is one quality that's essential in this process of becoming perfect. So we jump down to James down there. We've looked at verse 1. We've looked at verse 2 and 3 last week. I'm going to read this passage here just to give us a context. He says, My brethren, <clears throat> count it all joy when you fall into various trials, those moments when you feel inadequate, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But then he says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, this is where we're going to camp out today in that verse, uh, especially because he uses the word perfect twice there. And he contrasts this idea of feeling inadequate or being inadequate with being at a place where you have exactly what it takes for the moment, that you have all that you need to face the struggle, the inadequacy that's in front of you. So uh, he uses this word perfect, he uses it twice. He says, in, in reference to patience, says, let it have its perfect work so that you may be perfect. And it's the word that means to be filled up, to be finished, to be complete, to have everything that you need, that kind of perfection. And the way James words it here, it tells us that we can be at that place of having all that we need in that moment for what we're walking through. So let's turn to the back and we're going to break this down a couple of words at a time. So he starts off in verse four uh, with a, a two word phrase here. He says, but let patience have its perfect work. The fact that he says, but let means there is an option and a choice that's required. If you're going to if you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, if you're going to walk into this place of not inadequacy, but full adequacy for what's happening, there's a choice you have to make. Let patience have its perfect work. You have a choice in the matter. You can walk up into a situation and you can depend on God or you can depend on yourself and not let God have his work in your life. So you can become more like Christ or by your choice, you cannot become more like Christ. God is set on the work, but if, you're, if your faith is small and your, your will is stubborn, 
you will choose against it, and that process will not be completed in you. Right? That's why he gives the choice here, and he says in the command, let, let this happen. When you get into the situation where you are walking through a trial, you're going through suffering, stay in the fight in that moment. Let what God is doing have its work in you. Let him keep the work up. Let it happen. So when you're facing pain, loss, rejection, suffering, let that work continue. Stay in the fight. When you're facing temptation, stay in the fight. Don't give up. When you're facing pressure from the world to turn away from everything you believe, stay in the fight. Don't walk away. Don't let them win. Let God win and will in your life. When you're, when you're tired, when you're weak, when you're weary, when you just want to give up, you stay in the fight. When you want to give in to the sinful urges, when you give in to appetite, no, you stay in the fight. But this means you have to intentionally choose to obey God. You have to let, but let. Any other thoughts here along with that phrase? Just, just this idea alone of having to choose to let patience have its perfect work. Thoughts? That's for sure. It's true. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So for me, that's, that's always a question of, well, how well do I prepare myself? How much effort do I put in here? Yeah. Um, or, do I, or, you know, or should I just be more <clears throat> patient to do it? Because yeah. for me, patience is always something. Is some of the successes I've had weren't just because I was patient. It's because I studied more. It's because I showed up to work more. Yes. Perfect. Okay. I, I, I appreciate that because I don't think that patience here is equal to passivity or just being passive. I see it as very active faith that says, I'm in the fight. I'm not giving up. Uh, I think another word that might help us here instead of patience is endurance. <clears throat> endurance keeps me in the fight. Endurance keeps me going. Endurance keeps me choosing what is right in the moment. It's not... It's not just sitting back and say, well, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. No, it's more aggressive, believing God, taking action, moving forward, uh, refusing to be stopped, and choosing to endure. So I guess that's how I'd read it, Mr. Seif. The Greek is the same. Yeah. And uh, even perfection in the Greek teleos, it's, I think endurance might be even better because yeah. it's yeah. looking to the end. <clears throat> yeah. It's like a telescope. You look out in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like endurance, I think because of our own association with the word like patience, maybe it is more passive related, but I think endurance has more of this active feel to it. I'm doing something and I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to stay, I'm staying in my marriage. I'm staying in this parenting thing. I'm staying in the fight. I'm staying in the, I'm staying in the resistance against the world's pressures. I'm staying in the fight against temptation. I'm staying in this. I'm not giving up. I'm full in. I'm bought in. I'm full active in that. Jim? I, I was kind of thinking along the same, same 
Yep. Versus I'm going to fight for what's right. Yep. 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 It's true. It's true. And I think, you know, even what we saw in verse, uh, verse two and three, um, of course he's, he's pointing out that there's a testing of our faith and that comes from God. So the response is then on us, let, let God continue the work that he's doing in you. Keep this long-term, uh, telescope view, uh, to the end of enduring in the moment. So, ah, okay. I like that. I like that. So, um, yeah, go ahead, John. So the fact that James starts with these two words is significant because, again, he's putting a choice before us. You can choose to let endurance develop in you, or you can choose to walk on the matter. You can just say, eh, not interested. And this is where many men check out. They say, eh, fight's too hard, pressure's too great, uh, uh, I don't know that I'm in for it. And they check out in that moment instead of letting what God has begun in them continue the process and they endure through it. Mark? Yeah, that's true. Yes, yes. 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 Yes, correct. Which I think is a perfect segue into the next part of the verse there because, you know, the option is then ours, let, but let. But then he says, let patience or endurance or steadfastness have its perfect work. This means that we get into trials and struggles and we, we do what's right. We pray, we seek God, we obey, and the answer doesn't come yet. The change doesn't happen yet. The person doesn't change yet. You don't win yet. The answer doesn't come yet. And it's in that moment, he says, let the work have its perfect work. In other words, endurance has a task here. The task is going to take some time. Your goal is to stay in it while it's doing its work. Don't jump out. Don't leave. 
Don't get out of the situation. Stay in it. Let what God is doing in you have its perfect work. It, it has a beginning point and it has an end point. Don't jump out too early or you'll miss endurance perfect work. It has a task as well. And that's what he's referring to here, that there is this end goal. There's this end game that God has of developing endurance in you. And if you check out, if you jump out, if you get out of the game, then it won't be able to have its perfect work in you. Endurance won't actually be completed in you. Any other thoughts on this line of endurance having its own sense of work, its perfect work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's this interesting um, line of activity because on the one side you've got, I want to be busy and active, doing what I can. In other scenarios, uh, You've done what you can, and you're waiting. I know for both of these guys, that's true. You're, you're waiting in a moment, and you're doing, you've done what you can, but the circumstances have presented themselves in such a way, and God's orchestrated it in such a way that now your task is to wait on the Lord. And you, you stay faithful in it, but your, uh, your activity or the actions are kind of limited at that point. Yes. It, it puts them in a place of uneasiness. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, probably by virtue of their being there, it's, it's their own survival. It was their protection. Yeah. Whew, it's good. It's good stuff. So, you know, endurance in, in the New Testament especially has a very interesting role. Endurance proves that you really do believe. If you're going to say you believe God, uh, James will later go on and talk about uh, if you really do believe, there'll be proof of that. You will have a work that will come from it. You, you won't just have faith. You'll have works that come from it. You'll have evidence. Here, he's saying, and the New Testament bears this out as well, that the real evidence that you believe is not just that you obeyed once, but that you stayed in the fight and you kept at it. You did not stop. You just stayed relentless in it. You kept seeking God. You kept doing what was right. No matter how hard the wind was blowing, no matter how hard the storm is, no matter how hard the resistance, you just stayed in it. You kept going and you kept believing and you kept trusting and you kept praying. This is evidence that you really did believe. So you've got like Hebrews 3.14 there. For he says, For if we have become partakers of Christ, if 
we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. The real proof that you're a believer is that you stayed in it. You didn't just jump in at the beginning when it was fun and people were excited and it was cool. But no, you stayed in it when it was difficult. You stayed in it when it, the nights were long, the days were dark, the answers didn't seem to come. You stayed in it. There's an if here. doesn't mean your salvation is in question, but it means the real evidence of someone who truly believes is they stayed in it. 1 John 2 kind of tells us the opposite. He says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. <laughs> if you're in it, you're in it to the end. If it's real, you'll endure. But those who come in, big flash, but little life afterwards. A lot of noise, but not a lot of endurance. Eventually, they prove they weren't really of us. And I've seen that, sadly, over years of ministry. You know, Mr. Seif. Yep. In other words, if, if they receive positive stimuli and they flare up like that, yep. conversely, when they get negative stimuli, yep. they're going to flare down like yep. that. I'd rather have someone this visit for six months and say, I'm checking you out. If they land there, they're going to stay there. It's true. You can flare up with enthusiasm. You can blow up. You can explode exactly. just the same. Exactly. It's true. It's, it's those who stay in the fight that really prove that they had, they had the faith. And so he seems to indicate, indicate here, James is saying, let, let endurance have its perfect work because it has a work and it proves that you really do believe. If you believe, you believe in the light and you'll believe in the dark. You'll believe in the, the days that are just filled with overwhelming abundance and blessing and joy, but you'll believe in the day when it's slim and it's dark and it's uncertain, you'll keep believing in the process. So endurance does that in a man. Endurance is something that's developed over time. And the only way to develop endurance is by being in a situation that you can't initially feel like you're going to endure. And you stay in the race. You stay in the fight. When the strength is limited, when resources are limited, you stay in it. You keep going. That's the only way endurance is developed. You can't get it any other way. It can't just be handed to you. It has to be developed in you. And you got to get in it. You got to strain and you got to have some difficult times and you stay in it and you don't give up. This is, the, this is how patience or endurance has its perfect work. You want to go all the way and get the, get the degree, get the certificate at the end of the race, right? You want to win the prize. Let patience have its perfect work. <laughs> you know, when you put gas on it, you know, it lights up and it's that flashy fire, but then it dies that much quicker. That's true. Where if it just slowly kindles, it's eventually all going to end up burning. Yep. It's not as flashy. It takes a 
Yep. But it burns the way it's supposed to completely. That's true. Versus just, oh, it's lit up for three minutes. Yep. And then gone. It's gone. It's gone. Todd. too early yeah. yeah all right let's look at the last part of the verse here because he says okay endurance it has a work uh but here's what he says he says that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing so that you can get to the place where you are not inadequate where you don't have what it takes and the thing that makes a man adequate is endurance. When he is able to push through, fight through, stay in it, not give up, not give in, and have that quality of strength and endurance developed in him, he says that leads him to a place where he is enough. He has what it takes. This is not me. This is what the verse says. This is what James says. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be Perfect, complete, filled up, have what it takes in the moment. Christ in you, the Spirit in you, wisdom in you, and you've pushed through and you fight through and you've got everything you need. You are complete, he says, lacking nothing. This is the proof that you really did believe. It's your faith shows up. It's not just a Sunday talk, it's not just a, a flash in the pan. No, it's a real deal. And it shows up. It shows up at home. It shows up on the job. It shows up on the highway. It shows up in relationships. It shows up in finances. It shows up in your free time. And you stay in the fight. And you do what's right. And you persevere. And it develops in you endurance. It's one of the great qualities of a godly man. He stays in the fight. He doesn't give up. His faith wins. And then he knows I have what it takes because I know how to trust Christ in the fire, in the fight. That makes a man complete, adequate, perfect. So some discussion questions there. Y'all talk about those at your table. Uh, make some application. Good stuff.